Let us pray. Heavenly Father, your word is indeed a light to our feet. We pray, Lord, that you would open your word to us this day, that you would teach us from your word about prayer, about how to interact with you, that we might grow to be more like Jesus. And it is in his name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. An area of consistent struggle for many Christians is maintaining a regular prayer life. For many reasons, we tend to let prayer fall by the wayside. Of course, we know it's important. There are countless books written on the topic, ranging from those explaining what prayer is to helping us provide or to provide ways to uh, help us avoid pitfalls and give us strategies on how to maintain a, a healthier prayer life. And scripture is filled with verses about the importance of prayer. Psalm 17 tells us that when we call on God, he will turn to us and hear us. Last week, we heard in Revelation 5 that the prayers of the saints are brought before the Lord. And then, of course, we have our reading Today, perhaps one of my favorite verses about prayer, in part because it's actually pretty challenging. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Why is prayer so important? Why is it such a challenge for many of us? Well, we're in a series, as many of you know, looking at the road ahead, the mission, vision, and values of St. Aidan's. We're looking at who God is calling us to be as a church, getting clarity on where he's taking us in 2020 and the years ahead. And today, we're going to look at perhaps the most challenging of values, being a praying people. And to get a better handle on this value, we're going to turn to our reading from Philippians 4. You can take a look if you like. If you have your study book with you, feel free to open that or pull out the insert in your bulletin as we walk through Philippians 4 and learn from this passage what prayer is all about. We're going to talk about what prayer actually is, the challenges we face, and then hopefully the solutions to that challenge. To start, I want to look at what prayer is because one of the barriers to prayer, I think, is that many of us really don't have a grip on what it is. That's true of many Christians, regardless of our age or how long we've been attending church. In fact, many Christians have never been taught anything about prayer and have a tendency to approach it as if it's something that the pastor or the leaders of the church do for you on a Sunday morning or afternoon in our case. Well, to help correct this, actually the words of a Roman Catholic theologian named Peter Kreft are instructive to us. He says this, can you talk to a friend? Then you can talk to God, for he's your friend. And that's what prayer is. That's about the long and short of it right there. 
Look at what Paul says in verse 6 of our reading. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. In other words, tell God what's going on. If you're a believer in Jesus, you have direct access to him through the Holy Spirit. You can speak to him. You don't need me or some other Christian leader to do it for you. In fact, that would be a tragedy because the Lord wants to speak to you. That's why he gives us the gift of prayer so we can communicate with him. When Paul says prayer here, he's referring generally to the act of communicating with God. Just simply that. A supplication is communication with a, a bit of urgency to it. There's some importance there. And thanksgiving, the part, <laughs> I think if we're honest, that we do the least of when we actually do get around to praying. Well, that, of course, is about thanking God for hearing us, for acting and answering our prayers. It's thanking him for being a loving father who delights in speaking with his children. Prayer, supplication, thanksgiving. They're different ways of communicating with God, but all of them are just that, talking with God. And if we actually believe what we say about God, that that God is love and that he desires to speak with and hear from his people, then why wouldn't we speak with him? If it really is as simple as talking with our Heavenly Father, what keeps us from that? Why would we deprive ourselves of that? Well, I think one answer is that prayer seems kind of unnatural. It's a little weird. Paul Miller, he wrote a very helpful book called A Praying Life. He wrote this. When we have a phone conversation, we can hear a voice and can respond. When we pray, we're talking to the air. Only crazy people talk to themselves. How do we talk with a spirit? Forget God for a minute. Where do you fit in? Can you pray for what you want? And what's the point of praying if God already knows what you need? Why bore God? It sounds like nagging. Any of that sound familiar? When you thought about prayer, has any of those things ever popped into your brain? It's okay to admit it. It has for me. Two most common questions I get as a pastor about prayer is why do we do it if God already knows everything I want or everything I need? And how do I do it? Why and how? Two most common questions. We ask those questions because Christians have a tendency to get in our heads about prayer. We get anxious about if we're doing it right. We're unsure of how to approach God and so we think we need the right system. We get anxious about our, our method. Maybe prayer is all about set prayers, right? And, and the Lord's prayer is in the Bible, and Jesus said, pray like this, so I should only ever pray the Lord's prayer. When I was younger and new to the faith, I thought my prayer wouldn't work unless I started with the Lord's prayer and I ended with the Lord's prayer. I could do what I want in the middle, but those had to be there. Otherwise, God didn't hear it. It's silly, But we do this to ourselves, don't we? We think prayer is about the right method. We're always having the right words for it. On the other side of the coin, some believe that any kind of preformed prayer, anything written in advance, isn't really prayer. Because it's not spirit-led. 
Genuine prayer can only be from my heart, spontaneous, right there in the moment. It's just as silly as the other response. And both of these problems, these these answers, as it were, come from the same problem. Anxiety about how to pray, about the right way to do it. And since prayer is speaking with God, it is crucial. And so knowing it's important, we shouldn't be surprised that we might feel some anxiety about it, right? We want to get important things right. And there are many ways to help us move beyond this anxiety. One is to sit with trusted Christian friends and pray together. Listen to how other people pray and learn the language of prayer. You could use a prayer book to help you. If you have one, you can use it. I like to take some of the prayers in the the list of the service. For for example, give peace in our time, O Lord, and defend us by your mighty power. And then I'll use that to pray for war and torn countries or for disunity in Canada and a revival of the gospel. That's how we can use liturgy to help us in our prayers. Admittedly, the prayer book can be a little intimidating for those who have never used it. You may not even be sure where to open it. And if you open it in the middle, chances are you're in some kind of communion service or a worship service, and so you're not really sure what to do with it. That's okay. You can always ask. Happy to help. At the same time, my wife, knowing uh, as a former Baptist herself, knowing the um, pitfalls, shall we say, of the prayer book, put together a little pamphlet for us. Took some of the prayers out of the occasional or additional prayers section, a little book for us that we can just use and flip through. If that's easier for you, if that's something that would be helpful for you, come and talk to me. I'll finish formatting and get them printed for you. If you're not sure how to begin to pray, let us help you. It's too important to ignore. It's not a secondary thing. At its core, Paul teaches us prayer is speaking with God. And there's a particular challenge that we find in our passage that I think we need to address. And it's the beginning of verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything. Well, fat chance of that, Paul. Who isn't anxious, right? I mean, just hearing that verse makes me feel anxious. It's like when somebody tells you not to smile or don't think about an elephant. And what happens? Instantly, an image of an elephant pops into your head and it makes you smile. Don't be anxious. I can actually feel it when I say that. But anxiety is a killer to a healthy prayer life. Because anxiety is like a prison cell. The walls start closing in and we feel overwhelmed and trapped. A friend of mine in seminary was abnormally tired the day anything was due. Didn't matter what it was. Because no matter how big the project was, he always left it to the very last minute. He seemed physically incapable of planning ahead. And so one day I asked him why. Those of you who know me, that, that's not my problem. I asked him what that was all about. And he said that whenever he looked at everything that he had to do, he would feel trapped by the sheer amount of it. He'd feel anxious about all that he needed to accomplish, right? And so he didn't know where to start, and so he just wouldn't. 
Ever have that sort of feeling? Things coming at you so fast, you're trying to control everything, but there's so much that it feels like you're pushing against the ocean. I've had that feeling. I'm not the wait until the last minute guy. I'm the the panic, feel super anxious, freak out, and then do everything I can to fix it guy. Anxiety harms our prayer life, though, whether you're in that first camp or that second one. Because we either freeze, and so we don't pray at all. Or we get so anxious and jump right in that we do before we ever actually pray. And guess how those decisions go? Fear-based decision-making, anxiety-based decision-making usually doesn't end well. And if we do stop for a moment, it looks nothing like Paul's description of prayer. Right? I'll keep the spotlight on pastors. I don't want to single out any parishioners here. So it's an example of a prayer of an anxious pastor. Lord, I have no sermon at all. Attendance this week was lower than last week. No one's giving, so we can't afford the space. And no one goes to Bible studies. And nobody volunteers for everything. And well, we don't really have the energy to do any ministries, and I don't know why you're not doing anything around here, Lord. Amen. (laughs) Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. Let me ask you, did you hear a request in any of that? Nope. Supplication is the closest because there definitely was some urgency to it. And there definitely wasn't any thanksgiving. More accurately, it was complaining at God. That's what anxious prayer sounds like. Whether you're a pastor or anyone else. We list off all the reasons we are mad at God. And we don't actually ask for anything. We don't follow what Paul says here, and we think it sounds like, Lord, help me, but that would actually be a valuable prayer. That's a fantastic prayer. Anxiety means we don't make any requests, and it actually decreases our faith. See, for many of us, it betrays that we have this desire to actually do everything on our own. And there's actually a part of us that kind of likes our anxiety because it's something we can control, something we can hold on to. It can betray the fact that we don't actually believe what we say about God, that he'll be there for us. That's why anxiety is a killer to our prayer life. Now the way out of the prison of anxiety, though, is walking the road of prayer. Not worrying about how to pray, but taking the best advice I've ever heard on prayer, which is just this. Begin. Let your requests be made known to God. Notice he didn't say by saying these exact right words. Let them be known. Speak them. And here are the two things that our passage tells us that happens when we do that. 
incomprehensible peace, and Christ-like living. Look at verse 7. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. That's quite the promise, isn't it? That's exactly what it is. It is the promise of peace beyond our understanding, a greater level and type of peace that we could even begin to wrap our minds around. And it's there to guard us, to protect our hearts and minds, to keep us from wandering into anxiety-ridden lives and rather have lives of peace. Anxiety does nothing but drives us farther from God. The peace of God keeps us close to God. The peace of God is the polar opposite of worldly anxiety. And the way that the Greek is constructed here shows us that this peace comes from making our requests known to God, inviting him in to what we are going through. Rather than worrying about what life is throwing at us, we, in prayer, ask God to lift those burdens from us. Through prayer comes peace. And so what we have here is a choice. One New Testament scholar wrote it this way, we can either carry our cares, our anxieties, or remove our cares by giving them to God in prayer. We do not make our requests known to God because he lacks knowledge of them. We make our requests known so that we may be free from anxiety. And it really makes perfect sense. Think about any time you've gone through something in your life and you sit down with a friend or a spouse or a close relative, whoever, and you tell them about it. Just that act of telling them about it makes a difference, doesn't it? That you're not holding it all inside. You're not trying to bear it on your own. Just vocalizing it begins to make a difference. Well, Scripture tells us that if you are in Christ Jesus, if you believe in him, then God is the single greatest friend that we have. And prayer is simply then talking to our friends, so we shouldn't be that surprised that by speaking to him, it helps. And this is far more than any conversation with a human friend. We are speaking with the one who walks with us in our troubles, lifts our burdens, and fills us with divine peace. We've spoken about this divine peace before, how it's that knowing assurance, the wholeness of life that comes from being assured that God is with you and cares for you. It gives gives our heart a, a steadiness, a stillness, Doesn't that sound better than the prison of anxiety? That peace of, like when Jesus was standing at the storm and he said, be still. And in prayer, it's as if he is telling us, be still. I am with you. Calming us, giving us his peace. Does that not sound better than anxiety-riddled living? What causes your anxiety? 
What are the things we need to lift to God? What are the requests we need to make known? And why aren't we? Are we too busy complaining at God? God is there to free us from anxiety, to fill us with his peace. Speak to him. Part of the way that this happens is that when we pray, the Holy Spirit shapes us to be more like Jesus. We are grown in Christ-likeness. Verse 8 gives us this fantastic list of attributes. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. True, honorable, just, pure, lovely, commendable, excellent, worthy of praise. Who might that sound like? Yeah, that's right. I've heard a couple people say it. You're right. It's Jesus. Sunday school answers right on this one. They are the things that he lived out perfectly. Paul tells us to think of these things because they are the things of Jesus. And as we pray to him, our gaze becomes fixed upon Jesus and the things he values. The result is, by the Holy Spirit, we become more like him. Again, another scholar said this, the object of our gaze has either a transforming or a deforming effect, depending on whether the object is treasure or trash. The law of the soul says you will become like what you watch. Fix your eyes on Jesus and all the things that point to him, and the effect will be greater Christ-likeness. Think of it this way. After a few years, married couples... You start to act and talk and even kind of look alike, don't you? Right? The same thing happens with friends. You pick up each other's sayings. You care about the same things. You're interested in the same things. Well, guess what? It happens with Jesus, too. When you spend time with him in prayer, what we value becomes what he values. We start caring about things like love and charity and peace rather than consumption and getting ahead in our anxiety. I've seen it over and over and over again in my life and those of others. The more we pray, the more we are changed by prayer. We start to praise Jesus more. We start adoring him. We start praying for others more. It begins to change us. One last quote, again from Peter Kreft. It says, one moment of prayer, of weak worship, confused contrition, tepid thanksgiving, or pitiful petition will bring us closer to God than all the books of theology in the world. He's completely right. Do we believe that God hears our prayers? Do we believe that Jesus desires to have an ongoing relationship with us, one cultivated by communicating with him? Just as in any human relationship, it only grows as we communicate with one another. And so we need to talk to him. 
And that starts by believing in him. Believing that he hears our prayers. Believing that he is who he says he is. Verse 7 tells us that God's peace God's our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. I'm just going to turn this mic off if that's all right. God's peace guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Well, to be in Christ Jesus, you need to believe in him. And so you need to have faith. It is often our prayer life where what we believe about Jesus is revealed, whether we believe that he desires to speak with us and to change us or whether we want to treat him as the vending machine God that just gives us all the things we want. Paul tells us that in Christ, God wants to give us peace. Do you believe that that's what he wants for you? Or are we clinging to our anxiety? Believing in it more than Jesus. Without faith that God is who he says he is and can give us what he desires, our prayer life will remain kind of dry and certainly sporadic. Perhaps then the prayer that we need to begin our prayer life with is, Jesus, I love you. I believe in you. Help me to look to you, to fix my eyes on you as the author of peace and the giver of life. Friends, if your prayer life is not what you want it to be, don't beat yourself up about it. Don't leave here today thinking about how terrible and awful you are not the point. Just start praying. Pray while you wash the dishes, while you pump gas, when you're waiting in line at the bank or at the grocery store. No, you don't have to pray out loud. I can see some worried looks on your faces. (laughs) Though if I'm in line with one of you, guess what I'm going to do now? (laughs) Pray before you get out of bed. Pray together. Don't worry about sounding silly or having all the right words. You learn to pray by doing it. Come and pray with me sometime. And please tell me how I can pray for you. Just as with the gospel, the Bible, worship, and the other values we're going to talk in the next few weeks, prayer is not a secondary matter. It is necessary for the life and health of the believer. And if we are to be a church that praises and proclaims Jesus Christ, then we need to be a church that prays to Jesus so that he might fill us with his peace and lead us in his peace down the road ahead. So let's pray. Father, thank you that you are a God that desires to hear from your people, that you... You hear even the most tepid and timid prayers. We pray, Lord, that you would teach us how to pray, that we would not be afraid of coming to you, but that you would show us that you love to hear from your people, that you love to hear even from from me. Thank you, Father, that you don't cast us aside, but you are there to free us from anxiety and to give us your peace. We pray that you would fill us all with that peace now. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.